Hey, welcome to the Street Shots Photography Podcast with the Switch to Manual guys. I'm Antonio, and this is episode 48, and it's part two of the interviews that I did on the photo expo floor at the Javits Center uh, a few weeks ago at this point. Um, before we get into the interviews, though, I want to share something very personal with you guys. A couple of weeks ago, we had to put down one of our cats. Hank was his name, and he was only 10 years old. He had an enlarged heart that clotted with blood, and that Sunday morning, a clot headed down his legs, which made him suddenly unable to walk. Um, we had to rush him to the emergency room, and the doctor gave us that bad news. And rather than go through a rough and probably you know unsuccessful treatment, we made that hard decision that morning. He was a great little guy, full of love for both me and my wife, Elizabeth, and we're both very sad about losing him. Uh, I bring it up for a couple of reasons. First, because the way Tom and I formatted this show, we really wanted to keep it somewhat personal. You know, Not that we would share every single thing that happens with us on this show, but some of the stuff in our lives affects us deeply enough that it would be hard not to talk about it. In this case, rather than me shutting down for some extended period of time and not putting out part two of these interviews, I felt that it would probably be okay to let you guys know what was going on with me and put the show out anyway. And I think you guys can handle it at this point. My wife and I like to joke that we don't have kids, but we have cats. Living with cats is part of who I am. I've had cats ever since I can remember. When I started being interested in photography, my cats were my models. I have a very old Polaroid somewhere I took of my cat, B.C., which, if I can find, I'll see if I can put it in the show notes. She was often my subject with every new camera I got. When I first went into the darkroom, the first print I made was of my white cat, Shrimp. The guy who was showing me how to print told me I needed more contrast in the print. This photo of white shrimp usually turned out gray. And for the longest time, I couldn't understand the concept of contrast. I kept printing images of Shrimp until I got them to look like the white cat he was. Even now, when I get a new camera, and a new lens, or even a new iPhone, I always test them out on my cats. In the past 10 years, Hank has usually been the first subject of those tests. In some way, it was practical. Hank, you know, he had very beautiful eyes, and I would always test the sharpness of my lens on his eyes. Also, because he was a tuxedo cat, he was a great test subject when it came to looking at the dynamic range of a raw file. It was always tricky to expose his black and white fur equally. When I looked at for chromatic aberration, you know, I'd usually check how his white whiskers rendered in a lens. In fact, my most popular image on Flickr is the first shot I took with my then-new Fuji X100T. It was a test of the high ISO capabilities of that camera, and as of today, it has something like over 36,000 views. Hank is a very popular guy. So cats are part of me, and therefore part of who I am as a, as a photographer. Lastly, in these past couple of weeks, I've become very aware of the power of photography and how it really helps me connect with my memories of my boy Hank. I collected as many photos of him as I could find on my phone and on Facebook so I could post them and share them with my friends and family of all the different faces I have of him. Uh, so many different looks for just one cat. Each shot I have of him shows one little slice of his personality. Many show his little personality quirks, which we'd see on a daily basis. Actually, it's those little quirks that are the more painful thing to remember the way he used to flow out of the couch, upside down, arms outstretched, the way he'd wait for us on our terrace door so we could, he could go outside, 
and outside here means going onto our enclosed terrace. The way he'd love to look out the window after he had breakfast. The way he'd look into my eyes when I take a shot of his face. I'm seeing all these little moments again, and they help me remember him more. I've probably taken thousands of shots of Hank, maybe tens of thousands, and they weren't enough. But those shots are now all I have of him. They're now part of the reliquary. They help trigger my memories of all the little things he did. Maybe the takeaway from this is to remember to photograph the little things as well as the big things. How does she hold her paperback book when she's reading? How does he look when he's washing the dishes? How does the light hit that bookshelf on a spring afternoon? These are little moments in our life that we think are meaningless, but you know what? They're not. They're far from it. These are easy to record when you're taking photos of a pet because they usually don't complain. With our human companions, it's always a little trickier. Well, you know them better than I, so I think you can figure it out. Maybe these aren't the pictures you share with everybody, but keep in your journal for yourself. What I'm experiencing now is that those little moments count for so much. So I wrote all that the day after Hank died. I waited a couple of weeks to record this because it was probably best because I don't think I would have made it through reading everything without bawling into tears. And other circumstances have also delayed my recording this. Little things like, oh, you know, these elections and such. But you know what? The next day after I wrote all the above, the above script, the universe seemed to fit to deposit a stray orange kitten in my path a couple of doors down from where I live. And I really won't go into the entire rescue story, which took nearly seven hours to resolve. It was an ordeal. And those of you who know me know that almost all my animal, animal rescues are some sort of dramatic ordeal. This one was no different. Yet in the end, now we have a four-month-old orange and white kitten, and his name is Opie, and he's a sweet devil. So with that said, I'm going to bring you the last two interviews I did on the Photo Expo floor from a few weeks ago. Like I said in the other show, the pickings were a little slim, and I did find a couple of gems among the exhibitors that I thought were worth sharing with you all. So the first interview is with a company offering a nifty little Bluetooth-enabled handle that you attach to your smartphone. And no, it's not a selfie stick. The second company is one that makes some analog dials and sliders that you pair with your computer for doing post-processing work. Being that we're the switch to manual guys, anything that adds the manual touch to our photography workflow certainly is worth something for us to take a look at. And finally, I added some uh, thoughts about the show in general. So that being said, let's have at it. So I'm here at the Photo Expo and I'm at the Grip and Shoot booth and I'm speaking with Kevin. And this is, uh, I'm just gonna describe it quickly. It looks like a little pistol grip that you attach to your iPhone camera. So uh, Kevin, why don't you tell us what you have here? Sure. Yeah, so uh, as he had said, is it a grip, it's called the Grip and Shoot. It is a Bluetooth grip for iPhones as well as some Android phones. The idea is that a lot of people are using their phones these days for pictures, but it's always awkward to hold it sideways and it's never really stable. So the grip connects to your phone and uses our free Grip and Shoot app. It has buttons on the top of it that allow you to zoom in and zoom out. And then the trigger on the front takes pictures to start or stop video. Uh, 
No, go right ahead. So this this device you need to generally exclusively use with your own um, app, right? Correct. So currently it is being used for our Grip and Shoot app. That's how the Grip talks to the phone. There are a couple of other photography apps that have worked the technology of our Grip into their app to where it allows, uh, you know, it's open source for us. So any app that wants to utilize our Grips technology, we would love them to. But currently it's pretty much our app and only a select few others. So I'm looking at this thing and it, it, it's... I would say it's shaped like a, not a pistol grip exactly, but it's got a little trigger. Yep. And you've got two buttons on the thumb, so it's a plus and minus. Yep. And you said you could program those buttons to do different things, right? Correct. So some, I mean, for the zoom, it is a digital zoom for the most part, unless you have the 7 Plus that has the, uh, you know, the optical lenses. But so if you actually go into one of the program settings on the grip, you can actually reprogram the plus and minus buttons to where you can change it to, you know, make it camera mode, switching from video to camera and switching from front facing to rear facing or doing some of the different uh, white balance, different exposure, things like that. So you can reprogram those buttons if you'd prefer to not use it for the zoom aspect. So just to get straight on this, this is not a, it's a grip, it's not a stabilizer. Correct. So it doesn't have specific gimbal or, uh, you know, stabilization technology inside of it. There's no question it's going to be much more stable to use the grip than trying to hold your phone sideways and trying to press it and all that. But specifically for the stabilization technology, it doesn't have like a specific gimbal in it or anything like that. Right. Well, the, the cameras themselves have uh, stabilization built in, so it would almost be redundant in some way. Yeah, somewhat. I mean, if you're holding it sideways and you're actually starting to take a picture, you know, if somebody bumps your arm, it could have a jump in the uh, in the video, just like anything. But for the most part, yeah, it is going to help a lot with the st stabilization rather than just trying to hold the camera or hold your phone yourself. One of the things you showed me before was that it's got a little screw on the bottom for you to attach it to a tripod, right? So as, uh, as we were saying, it does kind of look a little bit like a pistol grip. And the bottom part of it, actually is able to slide off. And on the bottom of this piece, and I know it's kind of hard to visualize, but it's a little piece that can slide off the bottom of the grip that has a quarter 20 uh, thread at the bottom of it. So you're able to actually put this little piece that you just took off the grip, connect it to any sort of photography, you know, accessory that uses quarter 20 thread, and then you're able to actually clip your phone directly into that so now your phone and this little piece are now connected to some tripod or whatever accessory, and then the grip itself you can still use to remotely control the, uh, the phone and the app. All right, so I'm looking at this, and because it's Bluetooth, you can separate the phone and the grip by a certain distance. Yeah, and it's actually up, it's Bluetooth Smart, Bluetooth 4.0, so you can actually get up to about 100 feet away to be able to still utilize it. And I know the podcast won't be able to see this, but over at that blue wall, black uh, curtain back there. So he's pointing to a wall about 100 feet away. And we were using that all the way earlier today. We just, I always like to test it when I go to these different shows to see how far I can get. And we got pretty far. So like one of the great options you can use this for is for remote, remote shooting. You can set your phone up at a distance and like maybe you wanted to capture wildlife or do something crazy, you could set it up like that. There is no doubt about it. That's one of my favorite parts of giving these presentations. And again, the podcast can't specifically see it, but we do have a tripod set up right behind me that has that bottom piece of the grip 
attached to the tripod already. So I do that a lot. I'll take the grip, or I'll take the phone, I'll put it on top of the tripod and use the grip, and I'll just come and take a picture with the people that are watching the demo. So it's so it's good for doing group shots if you want to get into the group shot. But it, but I'm also saying like the practical part of it, it's like a quick. It's just a quick. It's almost like a quick release. Uh, for sure, yeah. And it, it, I just like it a lot because it's so functional. You can end up. We've had we've been selling them for about three years or so now, and this is the third time that we've been at Photo Plus. Uh, we've been getting some repeat customers, and they're saying we're actually using this more than we thought we would. They just end up seeing different values. Like we hear a lot of it for you know, kids sporting events and things where you're not necessarily going to bring your huge camera. You know, it's an easy thing like that. We've heard a lot of outdoor shots. We've heard a lot of vacations as well because it's pretty easy to be able to just bring this little grip with you rather than trying to have to transport your entire camera or your entire setup. So there's a lot of values to it. Correct. So what's the uh, ballpark price on this? So on our website and through it, we're in B&H's website. We're at a couple of different places. It sells for $100. Um, at the trade show, it's, it's, we're selling them for 90 bucks. But for, if you go to gripandshoot.com, you can check out videos. You can kind of see, put to words, or, you know, visualize what we've been talking about here. Uh, but, yeah, gripandshoot.com, you can go there. You can just order it, and we'll ship it out to you. Cool, great. So did I, did I not ask you anything about this that you want to tell me about? Uh, for the most part, that's it. You know, we're, we're constantly trying to keep developing the software to it we've been able to like i said allow you to have a little bit more control on exposure and things like that inside of our grip and we're always trying to work with other different photography apps that want to use our grips technology so you know if anybody else is listening here that would like to be able to utilize our grip to work into their own uh, app and stuff we would love to work with them about that but no for the most part i think we covered it and i thank you for your time Thank you. Can you just tell me what apps work with it? Do you know off the top of your head? So uh, I think it's 645 Pro is a photography app. There's another slow motion one, but actually our new app that's coming out or our most updated app that's coming out next week is going to have slow motion worked into it. Um, so it's only a couple select few right now. Our main you know, bread and butter is, of course, our grip and shoot app. It's a great little device. I, yeah, when I walked by, I saw it. It's got this... Um, I'm looking at one that's got a little mini tripod. You guys don't sell the tripod, you said, but it's uh, a Joby tripod. I mean, it's not even, I wouldn't even call it a tripod. It's a little three-footed grip, I would say. Yeah, so the nice thing about it is, again, we, we try to make this whole thing for just functionality and comfort. And so the Joby, yeah, like you said, it's kind of like a three-footed, kind of like just a little prong that you can attach to that quarter 20 at the bottom of the grip. The nice thing about that is that it just folds up. And then if you just needed some kind of a tripod, you can just flip it up, attach your phone to that, and start using it. So, yeah, we don't sell those. Um, well, those aren't our products. We sell them here at the trade show just because we have them, but that's not our product. Well, because you have that quarter 20 underneath there, you can attach a lot of different items to the to the bottom of the grip. For sure, yeah. There's actually, uh, you know, there's an extender, and some people only think of the extenders these days as selfie sticks, but it's really not. We've actually attached the bottom of the grip to an extender and then use the grip to control it to get very high angles and low angled shots. Yeah. So it's sort of like a poor man's dro drone, right? Kind of, yeah, yeah exactly. All right, uh, Kevin, thanks for uh, spending some time with us and, and describing your product. Thank you so much for the time. Okay, I'm at the uh, Palette booth at the Photo Expo 2016. I'm speaking with Ryan Van... Straylin. Straylin. Okay. 
And uh, this is a device or devices that connect to your computer uh, to help simplify some of the uh, software that you use. So I'm going to let Ryan describe what this is. Sure. So what Palette is is a, a modular control surface. So it allows you to connect uh, individual dials, sliders, and buttons, and then using our software, uh, assign the functions that you use most often. The idea being that if you're editing a lot of photos or video at a time, you take those most repetitive actions and assign them to a tactile control. So not only do you speed up your workflow, but you're also able to edit more intuitively, as in keep your eyes on your work, and also up the amount of precision that you'd get versus using, say, a mouse to drag a slider. You can actually use a high-sensitivity slider to move that parameter. So I know uh, you guys got uh, started on a Kickstarter campaign a couple of years ago. Is that true? Right. Yeah. In uh, 2014, we launched our Kickstarter uh, campaign, and the goal was to read rate raise $100,000, and we were surprised and delighted by raising $156,000, uh, and we, in 2015, shipped over 46 countries, over 1,000 customers, and uh, from there we asked for their feedback, and we've been iteratively improving the product uh, based on their suggestions and also uh, through our partnership with uh, Adobe. All right, so what I'm noticing is that these little devices... Um, first of all, they connect together using magnets. Right, that's kind of one of the cool things that draws people over. First of all, people tend to think when looking at it that it's a music device, which in fairness, its origin somewhat comes from uh, that vein. But surely the magnetic uh, componentry, the kind of snappy uh, magnets are key. And then the other thing people like is the ability to color code uh, each uh, module. So it's almost like Lego blocks for, for adults in some way. That's right. Uh, a lot of people describe it uh, that way. Yeah. So what's the, what's the basic kit that you get? Sure. There's three kit sizes, in fact. So you right size to your own, what, what suits your workflow. The starter kit is $199 and comes with one of each type of module plus an extra button. And then in addition to that, there's an expert, which is our most popular kit. Comes with uh, an extra two dials and uh, an additional slider to bring it to uh, two two sliders, three dials, and two buttons. And then you can double that amount of modules in our Pro Kit for $4.99. And with all these kits, you can always add on a la carte. So a dial for $29 and a slider or a dial for $49. So um, how do you connect this to the software? Do you have to use your app or is it built into the software, to like Lightroom, if I want to use it on Lightroom? What do I need to do? Sure. Uh, for you, it's super simple. Uh, after you get the kit, just download our software. In behind the scenes, we install a plugin to Lightroom, Photoshop, and Premiere. So essentially, you don't have to do anything. Uh, we've taken care of that uh, for you. Is it mostly for the Adobe apps that this will work for? Uh, so we started out with a strong partnership with uh, Adobe, so certainly that's our strength, but we have uh, we have the ability out of the box to work with any program in keyboard shortcut mode, uh, or you can put it in MIDI mode and work with uh, uh, music type software. And then in addition, we've uh, reached out to other potential partners that we expect to bring on in the short term. So on a, on a scale of like one to 10, in terms of simplicity sure. for someone who's just getting into this. I know when they look at photo, uh, Photoshop or Lightroom, the interface really can scare somebody. Right. 
But something like this seems like it would be really helpful for somebody who, um, who looks at a screen like this and says, I don't know what to do. But if you show them this device, you say, okay, well, these are going to be the five controls that you're going to use most. So on a scale of one to 10, what would you think the uh, complexity is of this? Sure. Well, I will start out by saying we do as many things as possible to make it a, you know, a one in terms of complexity. So when you open the kit for the first time, we give you our suggested uh, settings. And then having a physical slider, for example, to figure out what the difference is between tints and temperature uh, really elevates people's understanding. To be fair, we're aimed at uh, an upmarket kind of prosumer to professional, but the nicety of something like this is it does help people learn. So a lot of uh, educational institutions are wanting to use this because, like you say, uh, it can be a little bit intimidating sometimes, all of the panels that are available to you. And realistically, you're probably using 20% of your functions for 80% of your work. So we focus on that 20% and make it super easy. There's no programming or anything. It's a click and select uh, your function kind of uh, assignment. So we're, we're, um, I'm part of the Switch to Manual team. Okay. And we, we tell people how to shoot manual on their, on their cameras. And the idea is getting in touch with the dials and buttons that your camera have. And I'm realizing there's a connection here because I'm looking at dials and buttons and sliders. And so there is a, an element of manual control here, even though you're, you're connected to something digital, but you've got the sense of an analog um, motion that translates from your fingers to what you're seeing on the screen. That's exactly correct. It's uh, it's kind of like in a car, how there's, you know, you can have an option of having a volume control that's a touch screen, or you can have a dial. We believe, just like on your camera, there's certain things that should be tactilely tactile is a word. Yeah, uh, it is now. <laughs> it is now. I've made it up. Uh, so, yeah, we think it's super important to how fast you work, how precise you work, and how intuitive things are that you have the ability to assign things in a physical manner. Yeah. Well, it's a great, it looks like a great product, and I, I think I would recommend it for people who are learning things like Photoshop for the first time. I instruct people in Photoshop, and I would say, like, maybe you get something like this, and you, and, and you assign those five or six things that are really important to people, and then they can branch out from there. Sure, I would suggest with your help, uh, people would uh, <laughs> benefit from understanding the basics of uh, Photoshop, as you say, in a tactile manner, uh, just to fully understand what it is they're doing, and then eventually, that will help speed up their workflow because, of, as we know, muscle memory becomes uh, ingrained. And because you can color code things, it's a little more fun uh, to use than necessarily um, using the interface that's provided and a, a mouse that offers no kind of haptic feedback. That's interesting you said muscle memory. That, that's right. actually a really good... Uh, and I mean, that's a really good thing to look at this for is a muscle memory because you can sit there and you can press things. One of the things I do on the side is I, I work at a TV station and I was um, doing technical directing the other day and I realized how much of switching a television show was about muscle memory, about pressing the buttons in the right sequence and at the right time. And so I'm looking at this and I'm thinking that would really serve that same purpose. And of course now he just pulled one of the buttons off and attached it to the other side so that 
this whole thing is configurable the way you want it. I mean, you can, if you're left-handed or right-handed, you can set it up the way you want it. Yeah, that's exactly the point. We, we believe that people will be their most effective if they're able to set things up the way that they work. Uh, so not only do we allow you to configure it uh, physically, but we allow you to configure the software assignments to suit your particular workflow. So you could work left to right, for example, if you wanted to. Um, one really important notion, too, is despite having um, you know, a limited number of modules, you can actually flip through uh, sets of layouts. We call them profiles. So I can assign a button to switch through stages of my workflow. So in Lightroom, that might be calling and then developing. So I can, in between, press a button, and now I have a dial that uh, is either cycle between photos or exposure. Um, so it's extensible. It's great. And, and because you can use it with all the different Adobe apps, it's not like you need one device per app. This will work on multiple apps. Right, and what's cool is as you switch between the apps, the software is smart enough to switch your profile. So if I'm in Lightroom, I switch to Photoshop, it just switches automatically for you. And I, I know you're mostly Adobe. Do you see yourself in the future working towards, like I use Final Cut 10 for my video editing, and I know that you've got, not a, it's not the exact same setup as uh, the Adobe products, but did you see it moving on to other apps in the future? Absolutely. I think Adobe is a strong place to start, but uh, we get feedback from our customers all the time that they want to see deeper integrations for uh, Final Cut, Capture, uh, DaVinci, any kind of thing that would benefit from uh, physical control. So those kind of things are all on the roadmap. Well, that's great to hear. Um, great. So I think that's all, actually. <laughs> it's a great little product. Uh, I, I wish you guys well. It's so good that you got started on Kickstarter. I love, love the Kickstarter campaigns, and um, you know, I wish you all the best. Thank you very much. I appreciate the uh, time and enthusiasm uh, and, yeah, what we've received from the show and visiting the states and the support we get here. Where are you from? Uh, we're from Canada. Oh, really? Where in Canada? Uh, so about an hour outside of Toronto. It's called Kitchener-Waterloo. Mm -hmm. So Kitchener would be known for the second largest Oktoberfest in the world. About a million people come to town. And Waterloo was the headquarters of, or still is the headquarters of BlackBerry, oh. uh, but also one of the top computer science and engineering oh, yeah. universities in Canada, yeah. University of Waterloo. I'm noticing there's a, uh, a good chunk of our audience is in Canada, so. Oh, perfect. Well, then they will understand my accent and what I'm talking about. All right. Well, thanks, Ryan, uh, for spending some time and, and showing us the, the, the item. Again, thank you for taking the time. Thanks. So I'm in the photo expo and the lights are blinking and that is the universal sign for the show beginning to wrap up. It was a smaller show than usual. In the past years there have been many more smaller vendors that occupied uh, the back area of the Javits and they, I was just told that apparently they um, took all the smaller vendors and they moved them to the other side of the hall. Uh, I don't know if they undersold or oversold, and I'm gonna put a, post a picture in the show notes uh, in the area that is uh, originally for the smaller vendors and is now totally empty. Uh, it's really surprising, and I just spoke to these guys who have a lens connector, and uh, I didn't even know where they, they were here. The, they were tucked in the back here, 
Uh, and they, they, the guy there said they were ex expecting more traffic because they usually have the smaller vendors here. And you'll see in the, uh, in the show note pictures how much empty space there is. Uh, the, the company is called Lens Flipper. And uh, I, I just found them at the end of the show. I'm glad I got a chance to talk to them. It's a neat little device that uh, helps you connect your lens to your body and if you need to exchange lenses with your camera very fast. It's not something I necessarily would use, but I can see using it during an event. Um, but anyway, the, the show's over. Uh, I had a chance to interview a few people that you've heard. Uh, nice little devices, but generally not as big a show as usual. And I'm a little surprised and maybe a little concerned about that. Not yet. Maybe if it happens next year, uh, then it would probably be time to worry. But I didn't get a chance to spend too much time with the big camera manufacturers. I'm really not into that much new gear. I don't have any money to buy new gear, so I really don't want to spend any time looking at it too much. Um, although I did kind of glom at the uh, Fuji booth for a while. I'm very much into the Fuji cameras, and the new uh, medium format camera was there. I took a look at it, and it's a decent sized camera. It doesn't look too much bigger than a, a, a Nikon or Canon DSLR, but the lenses, they were huge. I mean, they just look like giant pieces of glass. Uh, so I was a little, I was a little surprised by that. And maybe I shouldn't be so surprised by that. But I was surprised that the body was so small. So anyway, it looked like a nice camera. They didn't have any models for us to go and play around with. Um, but uh, yeah, that's the end of the show. I hope you found my interviews uh, interesting and you know some interesting products. Not a lot, again, like I said, not a lot of products on the floor new things. I was really trying to find smaller vendors uh, for the kind of gear and uh, equipment that we don't necessarily always see online. So that was my goal to sort of point out the smaller stuff to you and, uh, you know, see if there's some interesting stuff that uh, maybe you want to get for Christmas or something. So that's it. Thanks for everybody uh, who participated in the show. Uh, appreciate all the interviews, giving me a lot of content. It was uh, really nice to talking to people here. That's the one thing about this show that's really good is that you get a chance to meet new people. Uh, as Steve Stangler, Stang, Stanger said, excuse me, I'm mangling his name. But, you know, you're with your people here at a photo show. Uh, you get to talk the same language. You know, maybe when you're home and uh, your significant other doesn't want to hear about your new gear, you can come to a show like this and you can just talk about f-stops and ISOs and you know, light banks and uh, whatever you want to talk about. And uh, you got people here who will actually listen to you <laughs> for a little while and uh, they don't get bored with it. So uh, I do recommend if you're ever able to go to a photo show that you do so and uh, hang out with your people for a while. Uh, for all, um, you know, if you're a professional, if you're an amateur, if you're thinking about going professional, if you just want to look at camera gear, uh, I recommend it for anybody who's interested in photography. I think it's a really good experience. Um, I think you get you learn a lot, and you really get to see some of the new stuff that's coming out without having salespeople really, you know, go after you and try to sell you something. So, uh, if you do get the chance to do so, um, I know it's expensive to come to New York to to do this, but if you're in the New York area, you know, stop by in. Uh, you know, next next fall and see, you know, come to the show. You, you don't have to pay for the show. If you spend enough time, there's enough free passes online. 
uh, usually through some of the larger vendors like Adorama or B&H or anybody. Uh, so you should not have to pay to go to the show. And if you want, you could go to see some of the seminars. Uh, those you do have to pay for. They generally range from 80 to 100 bucks, depending on the length of the seminar and how early you sign up for it. So the seminars are very good. Um, they're probably more for less for professionals and more for people who are trying to learn stuff. I found that uh, usually for me the seminars haven't really done much for my uh, photo knowledge lately, um, but I do recommend them if you're getting into photography that you go and check out the seminars here. So and the Javits Center is a really nice place to hang out. Um, the food's a little expensive. I would suggest maybe bringing a box lunch with you. So, But it's a great place to photograph and uh, you get to hang out in New York during the fall, which I think is some of the best the best time to come to New York City. So, anyway, uh, that being said, uh, the end of the show, end of the um, photo expo, and the end of today's podcast, and uh, and then we'll go back to me with the uh, <laughs> with the uh, the uh, outro, the general outro. Okay, uh, thanks for joining me, and I uh, hope you enjoyed this, and talk to you later. That's it for the interviews from the Photo Expo floor. Uh, I'll do it again next year if you guys liked it. Uh, I have a fun time doing it. It was a little easier for me to do it this this year. I got a little bit more of my, you know, interviewing chops, I think. And I think I have the gear down. So uh, I'll try to do more of this. So anyway, you can find us on our website at switchtomanual.com. We also lurk around on Twitter at switch the number two manual so switch to manual and if you're on twitter you might as well follow me at am rosario and tom at witness photog p-h-o-t-o-g we also love our facebook and we lurk there a lot uh, while you're at it if you uh, have an ipad uh, or any kind of tablet device there's a great app called flipboard and uh, tom and i host a Switch to Manual Flipboard Magazine. So go to flipboard.com slash at amrosario, and you'll see it there. You can subscribe to this curated Switch to Manual magazine there. Also, if you guys listen to us on iTunes, please give us reviews and ratings. That will help get us more popular, and more popular is always helpful. We are also offering portfolio reviews. So you can send us your shots, and we will send you feedback about your work. There are three paid tiers and a free 99 version that you can try us out, but the free version will be retired soon. So, you know, hop on that as uh, quickly as possible. Actually, last year we also had people buying these reviews for people uh, as Christmas gifts. So you might want to consider it. It's another way to support our show. It lets us do some work for you guys. Also, we do have a YouTube channel with our tip cats. Um, I'm a little behind on making tip cats, uh, but subscribe there and I'll start posting a, a bunch of little videos that uh, will have nice little photography tips uh, so you can find the link to the tipcast on our website um, just go there and uh, we don't quite have a YouTube URL yet so you'll have to find us through our website also if you do like what we're doing please consider supporting us by donating via the little PayPal button on either the Podbean page or our uh, website page uh, anything you could do to help us out that would be great Tom and I run the site and podcast on our own and 
you know, times are a little tough. So you throw us some chump change. We could buy some coffee and, and have a good time. And at some point, we'll be selling our prints on our site. I know I said this a few episodes back. Uh, maybe when the winter kicks in and we're a little slow, uh, I'll be able to set that up. But that'll be another way for you to support our site. Uh, until then, you could probably go to our Flickr pages. You could find that on our website or my homepage and uh, see what kind of pictures we're selling uh, or what we offer. So that being said, thanks for tuning in. I appreciate you guys, uh, your support and your listening, uh, your listenership. And uh, I hope you don't mind that uh, I got a little personal at the beginning. I know it, it was a little, you know, I had to read it. I wasn't doing it off the top of my head, mainly because I wanted to get through it and uh, without really getting too upset. Uh, but uh you know, these things happen in life, and uh, I want to share them with you guys. That's what this podcast is about for me and Tom, is that, uh, you know, we are sharing part of our lives with you, our photography lives, and, and, and some of that, you know, we have other parts of our lives that you guys might as well know what's going on. So anyway, thanks for hanging in there, and see you later, and adios. Adios.